All or nothing thinking keeps us stuck in lack. All or nothing thinking keeps us in the story that when or if circumstances align perfectly, then we'll be happy or then we'll have the time to create, love ourselves well, or whatever it is that we long for. If you're open to living with more joy, what I suggest or offer to you today is to try all or something thinking on for size. Welcome. I am Christo O'Reilly Dabby DeGee, founder of alifeinprogress.ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com, really one and the same. I offer my work as a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind-body coach, and joyful living educator. And my work centers around the needs and experience, experiences, plural, of midlife women. My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, brave, messy, and curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, and joy. I'm glad you're here. So this season on the Rebranding Middle Age podcast, we are exploring the idea of birthing joy. At the end of season one, I had said that I thought I was going to focus on embodied joy. And I do feel like that's part of the conversation. But I was in the shower one day and I, I've just got some stuff going on personally. And um, and the, the thought popped into my mind, oh, I want to talk about birthing joy. Um, so we'll see where that leads. But I, I believe that consciously or not, we're all creating something, creating, um, building, handcrafting, bringing to life or fruition, spilling over or offering. So we're all birthing something or creating something. It could be in your life and in the season of your life, it could be a home. It could be a family. It could be a significant relationship. Uh, perhaps you're birthing a creative project or a book, a business, a minimalist lifestyle, um, a, a healthier, attuned body, whatever it is for you. But what happens when the waves of life keep coming intensely? There are constant stressors and needs, unexpected events, struggle, hardship, fear. What happens? What is our response? Do we throw in the towel, sink into despair, abdicate the privilege and responsibility of bringing our vision to life? We're helping build a world we want to live in. No judgment, by the way, in any of this. I'm in a season like this. The waves keep coming and my nervous system has been stuck on high alert. In 2018, 
after a conversation with a good friend of mine, I wrote a post called Just Choose All or Something. It was an idea that my friend shared with me that came from a friend of hers. I loved it and I kind of ran with it. And in these past five years, it has encouraged me and it continues to encourage me today. So that's what we're going to talk about today is practicing all or something. So there are four, four things I want to um, chat about today. The first is, is it time to draw a new map? So whose who's timeline are you on? Because this is one of the things that creates a sense of urgency and pressure and um, perfectionism, comparison in our lives often. When we are considering or attempting to bring to life the things that we dream of, the things that we desire or long for, or um, yeah, or you know, getting our hands dirty, trying to create. Whose timeline are we on? Um, when, because I work with midlife women and I myself am 52, I notice that there is a lot of urgency. You know, that yes, the truth is that life, you know, is finite. We all have limited time in this world and we don't know what tomorrow holds. So there can be the sense of urgency, like, you know, some people in their 50s already think it's way too late for them. Heck, some people think in their 40s it's way too late, whatever that means. Way too late to, I don't know, find love, write a book, start a business that you love. And who decides that it's too late? Do we have permission to create for pleasure or curiosity apart from productivity, accolades, or proving our worth. You know, another thing that, an, another undercurrent, a stressor that I see all the time and certainly have navigated myself. I feel like I'm in a pretty good place right now in this season, in this area. So do you give yourself permission to create for pleasure's sake, for curiosity's sake? Or do you tie every choice, every activity, including those things that are meant to kind of fill you up with joy, do you tie those or attach those to needing to prove your worth or measure up or keep up? And in terms of drawing a new map, you know, I cannot, will not, don't want to jump through hoops anymore. I mean, it's been a while. I've been on this path for a long time. But my health can't take it. My mind-body health needs rest. It needs spaciousness. I don't want to be on that treadmill. I haven't wanted to ever in my life. Um, but is it time for you to draw to draw a new map? You know, or are you 
is it working for you, I guess, to keep walking out or living out that old way of being in your body and life? Is it serving you? Is it bringing you joy? Is it allowing you to fill up so that you pour over something beautiful or hopeful? Um, Is it creating, is it allowing space for your true priorities? So, so in practicing all or something, as opposed to all or nothing, we might need to draw a new map. The second thing I want to touch on today is that I believe there is beauty and wisdom to be mined in every season, even the darkest of them, even the hardest of them. But in terms of creating or birthing, um, handcrafting, you know, bringing to life or fruition, what I really want to say today is that there are beautiful and necessary and valuable types of work at play in each different season. So from a seasonal living standpoint, every season has its own kind of energy. It has its own gifts, its own invitations and opportunities. But as we learn how to listen inward, slow downward, and honor our true wiring and capacity in every season, we'll begin to realize and hopefully play with and experiment with the truth that we can't do every type of work maybe in each different season, but there's always good stuff there. So I, I am going to point you towards a um, couple worksheets, my Reignite Your Creativity worksheets that kind of speak to this idea. I'll put those in the show notes. But so for an example, um, winter seasons, those fallow seasons, it can seem like there's nothing happening. You know, so often like winter seasons are times of deep grief. They can be hard transitional seasons, things when life is not going to plan. Maybe we're dealing with some chronic health conditions or a child isn't well or our life just imploded in some other way. And they're they're hard. Our energy for anything beyond survival might be very limited. Um, and they might be primarily times of truth telling about the bare essentials that we need to keep our heads above water and hopefully not just survive, but thrive through and beyond this season. But what's happening here is also we are growing in wisdom. All of the unnecessary crap of our lives is being stripped away. The noise is being stripped away so that we can drill down to the truth of our lives the truth of who we are, what we need and want. There's no room in the darkest of these seasons for any kind of 
distraction or um, just BS. And that can be a gift. The events or circumstances that bring us into that season, I'm not calling those gifts. But in the midst of the messiness of even the hardest seasons, we often come out wiser. If we receive the support that we need, we often come out stronger. And that's not a given, and it's a lot of hard work. But we put down roots here. We learn how to use our voice and truth tell like never before here. And this is often where we begin to vision a new way forward. So anyway, that's just an example. Um, but they all matter. Every season, when we're building, creating, birthing something new, each season has its work to do in us, through us. I'm just going to check these other notes here and see if I missed something. No, I think I'll leave it there. No, actually, I think I'll give another example. So the fallow times aren't only those deep winter seasons of life, emotional, psycho, spiritual seasons. It can also be the times where our body just says, I can't do this anymore. I need rest. Um, it could be nursing a baby. You know, most... Let's see. Yeah, I guess that my the women that I'm usually talking with are not nursing babies, but maybe you have a grandbaby coming. Um, but and also you remember that experience if you had children of your own. But that, you know, when you're kind of tethered to the couch with a sleeping babe in your arms for hours a day and the dishes have to wait and the laundry has to wait and um at least I, I can speak for myself. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about my own impatience, my own to-do list, um, the sense of panic I can have when I'm unable to move and clear the clutter. I learned how to soothe myself and, um, and, and practice being present in the beauty of what is so I don't miss it. I learned how to rest a little bit more in those seasons. And boy, I sure had a lot more learning to do, um, you know, over the, the years to follow, but I learned how to nap with my newborn. But also something I learned about myself in the past um, decade is, is something that I used to judge in myself, how it takes me longer then maybe I think it should, or it seems, you know, and I'm totally making this story up as often we are. Often we're just judging ourselves according to these sort of internal made up stories that we spin um, because I never actually knew for a fact, but it always seemed, you know, that I wasn't moving as fast as other people or it took me more time than other people. And in many ways that could be true. I am a slow mover. Um, I create and get things done that matter to me, but I do it at my own pace and I do it by 
moving slowly and really being intentional and stripping away the um, extras and doing things imperfectly. But so one of the things I learned it um, when I was creating modules for my Brave and Beautiful membership community. And I put a lot of thought into those modules and time. And I'm not opposed to putting thought and time into something that matters. But it was when I thought I was procrastinating that all this judgment came up because it seemed like it was hard for me to sit down and hammer it out. And long story short, what I realized finally, and actually was kind of a powerful and very freeing realization, was that I am not procrastinating in these times that seem like nothing is happening. I realized that I was integrating experiences and learning my mind was connecting dots between previous bits of knowledge I had acquired and new stuff that I'd been kind of sifting through um, it helped me kind of build a framework of understanding in my mind and then all of a sudden I'd be like "Ooh, ready and I would sit down and the words would flow if I tried to resist that or shortcut it, I would still spend hours kind of wrestling at my laptop. And when I learned how to honor my process, whatever pace, you know, it comes at, things always feel more joyful, more honest, um, more fulfilling. Okay, I'm going to move on here. So the third thing that I want to talk about is that a way that we can practice all or something as we continue to show up to life is to ensure that we are laying that foundation of health. It's really hard for us to focus, create, or pour out love and compassion when we feel unsafe or depleted or you know, lately, like me, my nervous system feeling stuck on hypervigilance. Um, or for you, it could be sh feeling shut down. So that needs attention. Putting more pressure on ourselves, you know, whether it's through berating ourselves, judging, shaming, comparing, whatever. Um, it doesn't help. In fact, it, it might slow down the process. If our body is not being cared for, we have to fill, fill it up. We need to ensure that we are, you know, laying that foundation of health in our lives. We can't give what we don't own. Um, in, you know, the past years of my work, I've talked at different times about honoring our limitations. People don't love, not all people love that idea. But honoring our limitations for me is about truth telling about what is not so that we can sort of be a victim, so to speak, or use it as an excuse. So I guess I can't do anything. But in fact, it's so that we can then ask ourselves, now what? Instead of fighting reality and blaming ourselves, 
we tell the truth about where we are, what season we're in, what exactly that means, how much energy we have to pour out or into you know, our different types of work or areas of life. And that, so we get honest about it. We take imperfect action and we feel empowered because we continue to inch our way forward to bring our vision to life. The final thing I want to mention here is, um, and this is a helpful way for me of continually practicing all or something, even when the waves of life keep on coming. And I feel often, way too often, by the way, flooded with anxiety, and I am attending to that. Um, so one of the things I ask myself regularly is, what do I need more of? What do I need less of? And then I act on what I hear. So a handful of things that I've heard lately and that I am applying to my life include coming back to the idea of spoon theory or, you know, how many spoons do I actually have each day? Uh, doesn't matter how many I want. It doesn't matter how many I think I should have by now. Um, it just is what is. So for me, getting really honest about how many spoons I have a day helps me triage my work, say no to even really good opportunities, um, simplify. So even the things I do want to keep, I'm looking for all these different ways. Many have just come up um, where I can cut the work or simplify the process or in some cases lower the bar so that I can keep moving forward and practicing all or something and the things that matter to me um, but in a way that honors my capacity. So limiting inputs that exacerbate anxiety and lead to this flooding so that could be better boundaries, it could be limiting certain types of media, or even maybe the hours that I go online, um, being clear about when I go into my inbox, even things like that, or when I respond to texts from people, even, you know, people I care about, but um, yeah, it could, in it includes for me, lots and lots and lots, and then even more space and breathing room. So I I do pretty well, but right now, whatever's happening in my nervous system, I need even more. So just building in extra rest between activities, especially those that are higher intensity or higher energy activities for me as a highly sensitive human. Um, and there, there's nothing wrong. There's like, lower intensity activities, higher intensity activities, lower intensity emotions, higher intensity emotions. It's all good if it's meaningful, but they have different impacts on our nervous system. And that's what we need to be just paying attention to. Um, so for me, one of the ways that I'm practicing this is tightening up 
my morning and evening routines, being very consistent, setting a timer for my evening routine. Um, and just within that, I have five activities in each one that are very intentional and support my mind-body health. Um, and then practicing imperfect action on those things that matter. So asking myself, like, what's enough or challenging the automatic assumptions I might have around what's enough, whether I'm talking about home cooked meals or movement in the week or how much I write. Um, you know, and this is a question you can ask for yourself, like, what's enough? When will it be enough? How will you know when it when it is enough, you know, because otherwise, we can just strive and push ourselves and, and just live with chronic anxiety, because it's never going to be enough if we can't even quantify enough for ourselves in this season. So for me, it's included things like um, you know, writing is important, but it keeps for years, it keeps getting pushed to the bottom of my priority list. So I continually practice what what will allow me to make more space for this? How much is enough in the week? Um, and then when if internal criticism comes up, like that's not enough, like I have, you know, I've, I've got a deadline. It's like, well, all or something, lady, because, you know, pressuring myself isn't working and it means I do nothing. So, you know, this this is way more effective. Um, moving my body, really important, but stuff happens. And when it's imperfect, what do we do? Like, do we do nothing? Or do we say, well, maybe I can do half the walk because my foot hurts? Or maybe um, this particular day, my friend can't walk with me. So instead of doing nothing, I'll go on the treadmill for even 20 minutes, you know, all or something. All right. Um, one of the ways I'm simplifying is sort of just gently trying to find my way forward is with this podcast, trying to, I would really like it to be closer to 30 minutes. Um, and so I'm just, anyway, I'm just kind of working at that. So I'm going to wrap up here. Something that I enjoy is new moon and full moon check-ins or lunar tracking in general. Before pre-menopause, I practiced cycle tracking. And that was a very powerful, empowering practice that I started in my early 30s. Highly recommend it. Um, but I am post-menopause and I now practice lunar tracking instead. Um, in some seasons, I follow all that, like eight moon cycles. Um, so every three or four days, there's just a kind of a gentle or brief, um, in, an invitation to just kind of check inward and listen. Um, I book that I really love, and that is wonderful. If you want to test out lunar tracking for yourself, it's called Lunar Abundance by Dr. Ezie Spencer. Um, in other seasons, I check in instead of checking in with eight lunar cycles um, or moon phases, I check in with the new moon and the full moon. And for me, I also throw in the balsamic moon. That's sort of like the equivalent to me, at least, 
of that premenstrual phase before the bleed when you're cycle tracking. Um, and for me, I feel that phase and I want to be reminded to rest and listen inward and slow downward. So I also mark that in my agenda. And um, yeah, and this really doesn't take a lot of time, but it really helps me practice ebb and flow, the being and the doing, resting and creating. And the idea, the truth that it's all important, none of it is wasted. If you want to dip your toe in or, or um, you know, try out an idea, practice imperfect action, you could start with simply creating your own less of, more of list. See what comes up for you and then choose one little starting place. An invitation for you. Um, I will add a link to those Reignite Your Creativity workshop uh, worksheets for you, so you can dabble if you want. Um, we can begin tracking and playing with this idea of seasonal living in so many different ways and layers, and, um, and this is one, one way, so I'll add that link for you. Oof, all right. Thank you for being here with me. And until next time, make peace with messiness to make space for joy. <laughs>